Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and reading for our text verses 9 and 10. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste-howling wilderness he led him about, instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 32 verses 9 and 10 where we read what the Lord does with his people, his portion. We know what a portion is. If we have uh, an amount of goods, if we have, uh, like it was said with the prodigal son, he was given his portion or that which pertained to him. And it was a sovereign gift from his his father. And so we think of the sovereignty of the one that has that which is to give, whether to few or whether to many, and he chooses what he will give to who. And here we have in our text a portion that is the Lord's portion, and that is his people. And we can also say on the other side, that the Lord is his people's portion. Now in the verse prior to our text, we have a reminder of the Most High God, the Eternal God, the Creator of heaven and earth, dividing to the nations their inheritance. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. And we have a picture, and maybe always remember that the nations of the earth as they are now, they didn't just happen. It's not just chance. They are each appointed. And when the nations had just one language at Babel, and they, the descendants of Noah wanted just to remain in one place and not to spread out, the Lord then confounded their language, stopped them building the Tower of Babel and scattered them through the earth. And here we are told this is what the Lord has done. He divides to the nations their inheritance, says that this people shall be uh, in England, this people in Australia, this people in China, and in each nation of the earth, he has divided the earth in that way. He knows where everyone is and where they have been placed. The bounds of our habitation are ordered by God. And it's a good thing for us to, to know that, to know that he has appointed that, especially when... We have lived in other nations, we have loved ones that live in other nations, and the Lord has his people in every nation and kindred and tongue. So we have this picture of the Lord dividing the nations. Then we have the picture of the Lord dividing the land of Canaan. He gave the land of Canaan 
to the sons or the tribes of Jacob of Israel. And he determined where each one would dwell in that land. Some of them had a portion by the sea. Some of them were landlocked. Some of them were small portions. Others were a large portion. Some of them had very flat land. Others had mountainous areas. Some were in one part of the country and some in the other. Some had treasure of, of gold or of silver, of tin or those minerals under their feet. And others, they had blessings in other ways. But the Lord chose out what each one's portion would be what their lot would be, where they would dwell, the blessings of it, the trials of it, the troubles of it. The Lord appointed that for them. And it's good for us to have this, this picture of this way of the Lord sovereignly appointing a place and what belongs to that place and what the experience of the people of God should be in that place and then when we extend that and we think of the Lord's portion for himself what should be his portion and we are told in our text that the Lord's portion is his people it is not it might say a piece of land it is not uh, something material but it is a people and it is that which I want to look at this morning firstly the Lord's portion his people and then second how he found them we read he found him in a desert land and then Lastly, what he did with his people. There are four things that are said here that he found them, he led them, he instructed them, and he kept them. And we can look from first Israel of old as a nation, the Jews as the national people of the Lord, and then bring that to the Lord's people in every nation, kindred and tongue, his elect people. But firstly, the Lord's portion, his people, that which is appointed to the Lord. Now, the word of our text, the Lord that is spoken of here is Jehovah. This is Father, Son and, Holy, uh, and the Holy Ghost. It is not just a people belonging to the Son or to the Father, but they are God's people, Jehovah's people. We would remember that. And uh, the Lord's portion, Jehovah's portion, is his people. We'll come a little later to consider how this is put to the Son and the relationship of how that portion is given to, to each one. But this portion 
It is set forth before us in the Psalms. We have in Psalm 33 and verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, that is Jehovah, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord chose them. And we know that Paul, he says in the Romans, that was entrusted to the Jews the oracles of God. And that gives us a a little picture of the use, shall we say, firstly, of the nation of the Jews. We think how they began. The Lord chose Abraham when he was but one and weak, not able to have children. He brought him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. He gave him the promises. He gave him the promises of Christ, but he gave him the promises of Canaan as well. Then he gave him Isaac. And then Isaac had Esau and Jacob, and the promises went through Jacob, and his name was changed to Israel. And of the twelve sons of Jacob were the twelve tribes of Israel that were later divided in Canaan. And this is the portion of the Lord. The Lord said, This is my portion. You only have I known of all nations on the earth. And what was the Lord going to be doing with that portion? Or why was it actually his portion? Because it was to be that this nation was to be the one that was the custodian of the word of God. All that we have of the Old Testament comes to us through Israel. And it is through Israel that the line from Adam, the seed of the woman, uh, comes and through our, to our Lord Jesus Christ. We read that our Lord came unto his own, that is to Israel, to the Jews, to his own people. When he was crucified, it was Jesus the King of the Jews. And so in that way, they were, as a national people, the people of God, the Lord's people. And we see that portion that was given to God for this end, not other nations, but this people. And we don't see them as a perfect people at all. And we look at this in the the second point. But I want to think of this not just as the nation of Israel. And certainly uh, we have many portions that uh, do set it forth as a nation of Israel, but also in a language that encompasses all the people of God. The psalmist David, in Psalm 16, he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. And we see it of the side that not only is the people of God the Lord's portion, but he is their portion. It is a a two-way thing. The people of God belonging 
to the Lord. Again, David says in Psalm 142, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. And when we come to the lamentations of of Jeremiah, then we have there as well the setting forth of the portion in Lamentations 3 and 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. And so the portion that is the Lord's portion, his people, uh, the Lord also is is their portion as well. In the prophecies, especially we think of the prophecies of Zechariah, there is the looking to the Gentiles, a people that extends beyond the Jewish nation. We have in Zechariah 2 and verse 10 to 11, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for though I come and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord, and many nations shall be joined to the Lord, Jehovah, in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And then if we go to the 8th chapter in that same prophecy, in verses 7 to 8, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. And then in chapter 13 of Zechariah again, we have in verse 9, Then I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. And there you have the, the two sides of it, the Lord's people being his portion and the Lord being their portion. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was upon the earth, he spoke of this in John 10, where he spoke of himself as being the good shepherd. And he says that other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, that is the Jewish fold, them also I must bring, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And so when we have in our text that the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of his inheritance, we have the scriptural warrant to look past national Israel and to see a people chosen in Christ from all nations, kindreds, and tongues. And he is put in several other different ways. Paul, when he writes to uh, the Corinthians, he speaks of a people that are separated unto the Lord 
as those who are distinguished by being believers. And so in his second epistle in chapter 6, he says to those that are his children, his people, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion hath light with darkness, what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And Peter speaks in his epistles, his first epistle, of the people of God, of being a peculiar people. The people, he says in, in chapter 2, uh, that are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of nature's darkness into his marvellous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And Peter's language is very much the same as that which is used for the people of God. In Deuteronomy 14, we read in verse 2, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And so we have Israel is a type, a typical people, a people that we can look at them as compared with all the other nations on the earth. They stand out separately. The Lord is uh, dealing with them in a very special way as a people given to him as his portion, it is a very, very clear illustration. In these gospel days, we have the Lord's people scattered in every nation, kindred and tongue. There's no set place where it can say, these are the Lord's people, here is a physical king over them. But there is a kingdom. The Lord is the king of it. The kingdom is within his people's hearts. And they are as a distinct, separate, peculiar, special people, a people called out from the nations as Israel was. Israel could clearly be seen as a defined people that the Lord was dealing with them. But the Lord in no less a way is dealing with a people scattered in all nations. He is their God. He is their portion. They are his portion and he's dealing with them as distinctly and clearly as if they're all gathered together in one place. And one day they will be, of course, in heaven. And so we can rightly look upon the verse that is before us. The Lord's portion is his people, 
and see that portion as being his people, we may say from Abel right to the last one, those that are chosen in him, those that are elect, those that are given him as his portion. And then we come in a more specific way as to how that portion is made out to, we might say, each part of the Trinity. Jehovah, uh, the eternal God, Jehovah, Father, Son and Holy Ghost, the Lord's portion is his people. And again, going back to John 10, we read, Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. No man is able to pluck them out of mine hand. My Father that gavest them me is greater than I, and no man is able to pluck them out of mine hand. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ given them as his portion what that means to the Lord Jesus Christ and then with the Holy Spirit, what that means with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look then, secondly, at how he found him. Our text says that he found him in a desert land and in the waste-telling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Now let us first go to Israel, literal again, looking at this type and then enlarge it in a gospel way. How did the Lord find his people? Well, if you go back to Abraham, we've already said we found him in complete weakness and he formed them into a nation in Egypt. But how did the Lord find them when he came to Bring them out of Egypt. He found them in bondage. He found them in captivity. He found them in the midst of another nation. Mingled with that nation. He separated them. He brought them out. How did he bring them out? Not by all those nine signs that were bloodless, but by the Passover, by the shedding of blood by the promised, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And in that night of the Passover, he separated them. He brought them out. And he brought them out into the wilderness. And then he had his dealings with them. But he found Israel in a helpless condition. And those nine signs that the Lord brought that reduced Egypt to, to ruins they proved how much of a captive Israel was. Pharaoh would not let them go at all. And so when we keep in mind this picture of Israel and how the Lord found him and then transpose that to how he finds all of his people. We are all lost and ruined in the fall we are all under the sentence of death. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We are captive to Satan, to sin. We are unable to release ourselves. And nothing that is done without 
the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will ever release us from nature's darkness. We are scattered amongst the nations. We are part of the world. When the Lord comes to find his people, we find us like that, no different. But just like the world and just in Egypt of this world. But it's through the Lord's coming and the Lord's dealings that he separates a people unto himself. He calls them unto himself and he brings them out of this world. Come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. We read it. And we have then a real picture looking at Israel and bringing that then in a spiritual sense, what God does for his people. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And if ever there is a very clear message with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, without the Passover, without the shedding of blood, they would never have been a people. Never could the Lord said that the Lord's portion is his people. They were shown to be his people by what he did for them. The, the blood that was shed, and it's all pointing to Calvary. Remember our Lord in the night that he was betrayed with desire of desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb and it is the Lord himself that then has suffered for his poor people. So then when we think of the Lord's portion is his people and we think of what the Lord said thine they were thou gavest them me the father gave a people to the son and he gave them to him lost and ruined in the fall scattered through the nations under the sentence of death in need of redeeming in need of redemption and it was the Lord Jesus Christ in the covenant ordered in all things and sure that was to die for them, that was to make them a people, that was to redeem them, that was to set them free from their bondage to sin and Satan and this world and to bring them unto himself. This is the portion of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was his lot. This is what fell to him, to be made like unto his brethren, sin accepted, to take on him the form of a servant, to be uh, made in the likeness of men, and to then go down unto death, and to die, and to rise again, to suffer in the place of his people. This is the portion of the Lord. The Lord's portion is his people. And you know, naturally speaking, if we were given a portion like that, and, you know, I think it was Solomon when Haram, he helped him in the building of the, the temple and he gave him, he gave him several cities and the king went out to see the cities and they weren't pleasing to him. And he said, what are these that thou hast given me? He viewed them as being distasteful for him. 
But you think of this given to the Lord Jesus Christ and to look upon a people lost and ruined in the fall. People describe there is no fall, that they are in thy blood, I pass by when thou art in thy blood. The heart deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, like as, as a baby cast out uh, to the loathing of its, its parents, all helpless and corrupted. We have the picture in verse 5, they have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. By nature we are that perverse, crooked generation. Now if we were given a portion like that, we would say to the person given it, what have you given me? This is not a blessing. This is only going to cause me grief and sufferings and loss. And it is going to affect me eternally. The Lord Jesus Christ will eternally have that body prepared for him that he took into union in the womb of the Virgin Mary, glorified in heaven, a lamb as it had been slain, this same Jesus that thou hast seen ascending up into heaven shall come in like manner. What it meant when the Lord finds his portion, it was that he should suffer, bleed and die for them. Before he could do anything for them, before ever they were going to be instructed or led or taught or given his laws or anything, he must redeem them first. And that's why we have this beautiful type with the Passover. They must be set free again and again. The message to Pharaoh was, let my people go. He said, no, you can serve them here. No, we cannot serve in Egypt. We must be set free. We, we must go unto the Mount of God. There must be a separation. Now I think that's one of the most solemn things today. There are many churches, many that will, will teach a believing in Jesus with no separation from the world. It does us good to remember this very clear, vital time when the Lord began with his people to make them a people to himself. The first work was that they had to be separated. The Lord says you cannot serve God and mammon. How often we hear, well, since we believed in Jesus, we lived life to the full. And they have all of the world's pleasures and just cast the name of the Lord in. It's not a new nature. There's not a different creature, a new creature. It's a worldly creature with a religion. This is the solemnity of those at last day. Depart from me, I never knew you, all ye that work iniquity. They have not been cleansed, not been separated, not been changed. But Israel was not like that. The type that so clearly shown us, he found him, he redeemed him, he set him free, and then he dealt with him. This was the Lord's portion. 
His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, his portion from their sins. That vital work at Calvary, and everyone that ever has or will be saved, their sins were put away there, the same time, in the same way, by the same dear man of God, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That blood shed for them. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him. Him writer says, He saw me lost and ruined in the fall and loved me not withstanding all. The sovereign love of God the love of God in giving us as a people, as the Lord's portion, and the Lord in love laying down his life for us. Particular redemption is a very sweet and precious thing because it shows the particular love of the Lord to the portion that was given to him. And again, we see that with Israel of God, the Lord's dealings with them. He didn't deal with any other nation in that way. They were a special people, and so it is with God's portion today. So I want to look at our third point as what he did with this people. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in the waste-howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Now the first point here, there's these four points, is that he found him. John Newton, he speaks in his hymn of once I was once lost, but now I'm found. And... We think of the words of the father of the prodigal son. He spoke of that son being lost, but now is found. It's a blessed thing when the Lord finds out his people and his people know it was the Lord that found them and sought them out and blessed them. And so this is a real mark, a mark of comfort really to remember it all the way along the way. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. A blessed thing to know that it was the Lord that passed by us when we were in our blood and bid us live. The Lord's sovereign quickening of the people of God, bring them from death unto life. The insistence of our Lord that we must be born again and born of the Spirit, quickened into spiritual life. That which is natural, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's vital that we have a spiritual birth, that we are not natural, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. The blessing is that there shows no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
to be spiritually minded is life and peace, to be kindly minded is death. And it is the Lord that makes the difference, to make a spiritual character one that is quickened into life. And that one that then is made alive. And they have these further three things that mark out the people of God. He led him. He led him about. Going back to John 10, the beautiful picture of our Lord as a good shepherd. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. We read in Psalm 107, he led them forth by the right way that they might go under a city of habitation. We know as soon as the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Lord went before them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When the tabernacle was made, that pillar of fire and cloud dwelt over the top of the tabernacle. The tabernacle sets forth the Lord Jesus Christ. It was that which went before them all the way through the wilderness journey. In a wilderness that had no signposts, that had no highways, that had no way, but the Lord was their way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a blessed thing to be led of the Lord. The Lord leads his people by his word, by his providence, through the preaching of the word. He leads them in the right way. He leads them, as the psalmist said, into pastures, green pastures, where they shall feed, where they shall feed upon the word of God, where they shall be nourished, where they shall be taught and instructed. It is a blessed thing to know the secret of the leadings of the Lord. Leading in a right way, he led him about. The next thing that is said is that he instructed him. As well as having the token of being found, as well as being having the token of being led, it is to be instructed. Instructed through the word. What is needed first if we're to be instructed? A hearing ear. In all the letters sent to the churches, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. A teachable spirit. This is what Israel often in their backslidings did not have. And yet the people of God are to be taught. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be the peace of thy children. Blessed thing. If we can say, it has been true of us. Our teachers have not been removed into a corner anymore. Our eyes have seen, our teachers, our ears have heard a word behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when we've turned to the right hand and when we turn to the left. And that we can truly say that we have been taught. The Lord has given us an open ear and taught us in those things we've passed through, taught us our sinnership, taught us our propensity to go astray, taught us the evil of our heart, made us more and more to value grace, 
to value mercy, to distrust ourselves, to trust the Lord, to value Calvary, to value that precious blood, to plead it, to be taught to pray, to be taught to value the word of God and to walk by faith and not by sight. Is to be instructed by the Lord. And again, we can see this in what God did with his people Israel right through the wilderness. Can we say that we have been found and the Lord has led us? Sometimes the people of God can see so clearly and they bless the Lord that he's led them to a particular place of worship or to hear a certain sermon or to be led to pick up a Bible, maybe from a Bible box or to make a request through uh, the internet or ask for a Bible or to meet up with a certain person and it is clearly seen that the Lord has been in it in what we have actually done and where we have gone and that we have not been our own. We have seen the Lord going before us. We uh, have in Exodus 33, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee in the way. And to actually know that this way is being appointed and chosen out for us by God. We have a last thing that the Lord does with his people. It's a very vital thing. It says here, he kept him as the apple of his eye. You know, if there's anything we guard more than anything else, it's our eyes. If something comes near it, then we guard it, we close it. But if someone is the apple of our eye, someone is very precious to us, we love them very much. We'll guard them, we'll protect them, look over them. And this is what the Lord did with Israel. Other nations came against them. The Lord delivered them into their hands. When Balaam came with a curse, he turned the curse into a blessing. And the Lord watched over his people. Yes, it is true, they were under a covenant of works. And when they sinned against him, then he brought them under his rod and brought them under other nations. Uh, it was a covenant, if they followed him, obeyed him, then he would do them good. If they went away from him, then he would chasten them, he'd deal with them. And last, of course, he uh, cast them off. The city was destroyed in 70 AD. But we have the Lord, what he dealt with his ancient people, and it's what he does with his people, kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. May we be reminded of how special a believer the people of God are to the Lord. If you and I are a believer and been found of him, led of him and instructed of him, may we think of the word that is before us. We are the Lord's portion. The Lord has given us to himself, apportioned us to be his, and to be his beloved sons, that he should suffer, bleed and die for us. And being the Lord's portion, we think of what we are. 
we mentioned of Israel of old and what we are by nature, the Lord viewing us as his portion, lost and ruined in the fall. But let us think just for a moment the other side of it. When we view the Lord being our portion, how we see completely different, we see him spotless, sinless, we see him immutably the same. We see him with an eternal love. We see instead of faithlessness, a faithful God, a righteous God, a holy God. We see him long-suffering, forbearing, how he bore with their ill manners in the wilderness. We see all of this in the Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be told, this God, this gracious, righteous, holy God, this loving God, this God that would come and suffer, bleed and die rather than lose that portion, is our God. This God is our God. He will be our guide even forever and ever. That is a wonderful realisation to see this portion not just read it as a theory, but think of this. This is me. When we read the Lord's portion is his people, put it this way, the Lord's portion is me. I am part of his portion. I make up part of that portion. How do we know? Because the Lord found me. And because he led me. And because he instructed me. And because he kept me. And there's that realisation the Lord sees and knows. And Lord is dealing with us as one that is precious to him. One that he is forming as his bride. One that we have with him forever in heaven. To be forever with the Lord. Now put it in this way as well. Some of you might think, well, your portion in this life is to have many disappointments, many afflictions, many troubles, and things that you think, well, I wish that was otherwise. I wish the Lord had appointed me a different path than what I have. It might be a bitter path, a sorrowful path, but if the Lord is our portion, and when we think of what that meant to the Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. When we think that our portion here below, if it is the Lord's people, whatever tribulation, afflictions may be in the way, to have a portion in Christ, to have an eternal portion, a hope beyond the grave, this is not our rest, it is polluted. But if our portion is the Lord in a day of grace and that we are chosen in the furnace of affliction and that we have Christ as our peace in him and yet tribulation in the world, may we rejoice in that which is set before us 
that our portion here below and what we have experienced and been given is not strange to what the Lord has said his portion is or how he will deal with it. But may we have a sweet token that we are the Lord's and that this portion he so looks after and deals with he'll have with him in heaven forever and forever the purchase of his precious blood. May the Lord bless this word to us and may his spirit who brings these things into our heart and teaches, instructs us, may he bring to us a sweetness of being the Lord's portion. Amen.